What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I am in the house today with... Michael Blank, he is a podcaster, but also an entrepreneur through and through and passionate about helping people become financially free with real estate investing. He's the author of the Amazon bestseller, Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing, and host of the popular Financial Freedom with Real Estate podcast, which I was on recently. And he's helped investors purchase over 9,500 units valued at 445 million, half a billion almost, through his training programs. As CEO of Nighthawk Equity, he controls over 200 million performing multifamily assets all over the United States, and he has raised over $50 million. Michael, welcome to the show, big dog. C-Rock, great to be here. Hey, man. So uh, this show, we always start with the question, what are you made of? And so let's do that now and find out what is the ingredients that have gone into making Michael Blank? Man, that is a, that's a loaded question because you know, what you're made of changes over time a little bit. You know, and you know, in the first you know part of my life, I drifted through life like maybe a lot of other people listening or watching this. Not very intentional. You know, I got to, you know, follow the program, got a, you know, good, got good grades, got a good job. I got into computer science and uh, I was in the right place, right time in the late nineties. And then was part of a software IPO, which put a bunch of money in my pocket. So I thought I was a genius and maybe what's, I was. What, 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 what's a really. bunch of, what's a bunch of money? You don't have to tell me exact, yeah, but like a couple a, million, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. you know good, not, yeah, yeah, not yeah. enough, not enough to sit on the beach for the rest of your life, yeah. but enough, you can do something with it. Yeah. At yeah, least you yeah. can parlay it into something bigger, right? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Well. So I, then I read Rich Dad Poor Dad in 2004, and I was like, man, I got all this money in my you know, brokerage account, but I got no passive income. So after like several months of this, like this book completely changed me. I quit my job. I came home one day, declared to my wife that I quit my job. She's like, what? Don't you think you should have like maybe checked with me? But I was like, no, we're loaded. Who gives a crap? You know, whatever. We're gonna, you know? And so I started this pursuit of passive income financial freedom. And I, you know, did everything. I took an apartment building uh, seminar. I learned how to trade stocks and options. Did that for a little while. I flipped a couple houses. And my big idea was to get into restaurants because I was surrounded by some other franchisees, and they're like, "Yeah, you hire a guy, you know, you fund it all, and you sit back and count the passive income." I was like, "Well, that's my cash flow business," and it worked great for you know a couple a couple years before the recession hit, and then uh, these this was a pizza franchise, and it completely screwed everything up. So. You know, it knocked revenue down by 25%, and then it never recovered. It's kind of slowly ground down. Expenses kept going up. And I'll make a long story short. Eventually, I lost my IPO millions. The only reason I got out of it without getting sued by every single landlord was because I had another $200,000 line of credit that they gave me in the good old days. I maxed wow. that out, maxed out my credit cards, almost lost my house. And while this was going on, I'm trying to get myself out of the situation by flipping houses because I flipped a couple houses, made actually pretty good money. I was like, this is great. So I'm just going to flip houses. So I'm working literally like, I don't know, 90 hours a week 
flipping houses, like this bucket with like a giant hole in the bottom. The restaurants are like bleeding money. Like I couldn't get out of these things fast enough. No one's no one wanted to buy a restaurant, a losing restaurant in the recession. So I basically gave them away. I just got I just got myself out in like without getting sued by landlords. So I'm losing all this money and I'm making money with a house flips and I'm working my tail off. It was there you go. It's the worst time of my life where you're working and you're not making any money whatsoever. In fact, you're losing money at the end of the day. It's yeah. awful. You know, and then on buy to buy, I got into an apartment building. One of my flipper wholesalers got me into his 12 unit. And I kind of remembered my boot camp. And I actually spent about nine months in Texas at the time. So I just, you know, I got into this thing and I actually, my first syndication, I raised $50,000 from five people. So 250 total. And I got into syndication. That too was a freaking nightmare. So I got like three nightmares going on right now. Finally, <laughs> that thing stabilized, you know, and then it kind of grew a little boring. So I'm flipping houses, you know, and this thing was sending me kind of mailbox money. And then one day I woke up, I was like, dude, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I'm an insane person. You know, I thought I wanted to be in real estate because that's what, you know, rich dad, poor dad talks about. And what no one tells you is that, oh, flipping houses is not really a passive income. It's more like active income. And I was like, all right, I need a shift. I, I, maybe I'll just, I'll just stop selling them and I'll just hold them, you know? And I was like, well, I'm going to need like 50 houses to like make $10,000 a month. I was like 50. I just flipped three dozen, right? I'm like, I'm not <laughs> buying 50 houses. No way. And I was like, well, I got this, this boring apartment building. Why not just buy more of that? And that's what I did. And I started doing more of that. And I started blogging about it. People, this was back in 2011. No one knew what the hell syndication was. So people were like, well, how do you raise money? Well, how do you analyze a deal? Where do you find these things? So I started blogging about it and giving seminars. I called up Brandon Turner at Bigger Pockets and I said, hey, I'm the multifamily guy. He goes, great. I need you to write weekly. You know, and it kind of led, uh, one thing led to another. So I created an analyzer and on online course, we created a mentoring program. And in the early days while I was doing this, you know, it started, people were bringing me deals and also people want to invest with us at the same time. So it was, it was great. And then, you know, the mission materialized because I kind of, I kind of consider myself a crash test dummy of financial freedom, basically of what not to do. And so I finally figured out the fastest route to financial freedom with real estate is with apartment buildings. And I also found out it didn't matter how much money you have or don't have, or how much real estate experience you have or don't have it. It was completely immaterial. You could overcome the lack of both within like 90 days. And that was really empowering, which is why I wrote the book, Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. Uh, and that's why we have the podcast. So that is our platform. I want to talk to people who are thinking, hey, I want to quit my job and I'm going to use real estate. And they're probably thinking flipping or landlording. And I was like, hold on a sec. Maybe I can give you another idea. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it kind of went from, it kind of went from, you know, going from success to survival to more of a mission, you know, more of a purpose. You ask, you know, what's, what are you made of? And, you know, I'm probably, much more of a purpose-driven, mission-driven life than before. And before, you know, is I was just—it was really all about me. If you think about, it, if you parse it, uh, you know, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the funny thing is, uh, the irony here is, I'm sitting there listening to you, and you're talking about how it was boring, and then now that this is all that you do. It's all surrounded the boring thing. <laughs> so how do you prevent from being bored now? Well, that's a great question. And I do like staying active. I'm a visionary entrepreneur. I love creating things. I've always liked creating things. And I will never stop creating things. And that's really probably how I prevent from becoming bored. And I've learned now when things become, quote, boring, and this is like the operation slash growth mode, you know, I start losing interest. Therefore, I have to hire people that are really good operators, that love just, you know, making things better. So I have to just create new stuff. That's it. Create new stuff. Gotcha. So, and then what I always wanted to know about this too, you know, and I've, Grant Cardone is a mentor of mine in business. Um, I haven't gotten into the real estate side of things with multifamily yet, 
the funny thing about that is I know all about it. I have uh, forgotten more than I realized I knew, <laughs> but just because of hanging around with him and then having people on the podcast and all that kind of stuff. But for some reason, I just never got into it because I've been doing this business investing, investing in myself right now. So eventually I'm going to get into, into it, I'm sure. It's just, uh, I know the longer I waited, the worse it is. But what's the psychology that goes into it as far as, is it just like anything else in business where it's like, you just got to do it. And then you realize, wait a minute, this isn't all that bad. And then why did I wait so long? Is it that kind of thing? It is sort of, except that you're, you're I mean, the thing that I changed, and I talked I talk earlier about drifting through life, which is what I did for until I was probably in my mid-30s, until I stopped, you know, started becoming more intentional. So it's like that, but with more of an intention. In other words, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? What's its purpose and what's its desired outcome? Mm-hmm. And, and if you work hard, which we always do, and you do that for a number of years, you know, are you going to be satisfied with the outcome of that? And those are the questions I didn't ask myself when I started house flipping. I was like, I'm getting into real estate. I'm an entrepreneur. Right. But right. I never asked myself the question, well, if I'm actually a successful house flipper, which if you're, you know, flipping 12 houses a year, that's not bad. That's a nice little business. Once a month. You know, yeah. if, if I crush that business, how happy am I with the outcome? I never asked myself the question. And it had to ask myself the question, I would have said, well, actually, no, because I can't take 30 days off when I want to because and what if my contractor quits or this happens, right? So I just create another job. So I was not clear about that. Therefore, everything that I do now, I, I kind of kind of play this through. It's like, I said, okay, if this is happens, this happens, what do I really want? Like, how do I want to feel? What is the desired outcome of that? And then you can see, well, the strategy that I'm thinking of doing, well, is it going to get me there? And it's not just, is it going to make me money? Like, that's the way I used to think. Many different things make money. It doesn't mean it's actually very satisfying. And we mm-hmm. talk to people who are very successful mortgage brokers or small business owners. They're like, dude, I need to get out of this thing. How do I get out of this that, thing? That was me. Yeah. What do I need to do to get out of this thing? And so whatever you do, you have to be very intentional around, is that thing going to do what you want it to do? Is it going to create the lifestyle that you want? Yeah, 100%. Like I've been in the mortgage business, real estate since 2005. 2017, I realized like I need to play a bigger game. Like This is not for me. This is It's great. Don't get me wrong. Money in the mortgage business. And as you develop and scale to 50 employees, the money's great. But man, I, I just feel like, man, I gotta, I gotta, this is not the impact that I want to make. And then you, I get that feeling. So uh, tech is our new thing. I don't know if I told you that last time we talked, but like we're into tech now. And I have a tech product that's just getting ready to launch, actually just launched last week, but we're getting ready to ramp it up. And it has that mission behind it, like you're saying. It's not just about tech. It's not about, oh, tech, you can find a unicorn and the money. That's great. But it's the mission that you can have, the impact that you can have, the force for good that you can have, the difference that you can make, and then the money follows. But uh, same thing. So it's not really real estate or tech or anything. It's just the fact that you have a mission that you're on and helps you also, Michael, I'd love to hear your take on this, how it allows you to filter your decisions, your words, and your actions through that mission. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's mikecrock.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Oh, it clarifies everything. You know, my, my mission is financial freedom with real estate. And, you know, if you're in the online marketing, which I, which I learned to get into, you know, there's this thing called affiliate marketing. Where affiliate marketing is you do a swap with someone and they promote your product and they and you promote theirs, sounded great and actually works pretty good too. Until I realized that promoting someone else's product, like for example, that teaches you how to flip houses, is contrary to what we teach. I know that someone is very unlikely to be able to quit their job flipping houses. Well, why the heck am I promoting someone else's product to my audience when my mission is financial freedom of real estate? So 
it clarifies things a lot. I mean, that's the biggest thing is this, what I'm about to do, this program I'm about to create, is it still part of the mission or is it something else? You know, if it's something else, does it violate the mission or is it simply just another cool idea? Maybe I start another company with a different mission. I, you mm-hmm. can have different missions, I suppose. But really, you know, it does clarify things. It also helps you get up every single morning and go through the grind because everything you're doing yeah. is a grind, right? Like, ah, oh, you know, whatever happened. And then you remind yourself that it's not about you. It's about a larger mission. If you fail, you impact yeah. a lot of people. So the mission yeah. helps a lot. I think the yeah. bigger your mission is, the better off you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also understanding that you're unstoppable. Like you're not going to quit. Like it, so why bitch and complain and why uh, whatever? Just go. Just move. And once you get moving, you're good. You know. So, so growing up, tell me about growing up, man. Where'd you grow up, and what was like life like when you were a kid? Yeah, growing up. I mean, my parents are German. I'm 100% German. My first language was German. I came here when I was in the second grade. And uh, besides that, I, you know, the, my, my growing up was, was kind of uneventful. No one around me was actually an entrepreneur. I didn't know an entrepreneur existed. Like you could work for yourself. Like that's crazy. I didn't discover that until I was, gosh, in my, in my yeah, I'm around 30. You know, when I started joining the software company, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy started this company in his basement by hacking a bunch of code together. And he just raised some venture capitals. Like, what is that? You know? And so I was exposed. My, I wish someone handed me Rich Dad Poor Dad when I was like 15 years old, which of course it wasn't written back then, but that would have like slapped me upside the head. So now I made sure that all my four kids have read Rich Dad, you know, twice and played the cash flow game. So they get it, right? You read the yeah. four hour work week. So because I, I never grew up in that environment, you know, you say you're falling Grant Cardone, you know, he's, he's big in mindset and he goes 10X, 10X, you know, and you're like, what 10X? And you don't, you don't even, you're not taught to think that big. Right, right. You know, and from talking to you, you weren't in that surrounding where people were like, hey, C Rock, you probably need to think a little bigger. They're like, nah, <laughs> you stay down. You stay down. Yeah. Right. Yep, and so, yep. I mean, people weren't telling me, telling me to stay down, but no one was telling me, hey, man, you can go up there. And I mean, never, never even told me that up there existed. Yep. Yep. And, you know, Sharon Lecter helped write Rich Dad Poor Dad, right, with Robert Kiyosaki. So I'm friends with her now, but it's a weird thing because I would hear her on Clubhouse. No, I heard it from Greg Reed. I don't know if you know Greg Reed. He wrote um, Three Feet from Gold with Sharon and uh, Friends with Greg. And then I heard from Sh- heard Sharon. And all of a sudden, I was in a clubhouse room and Sharon was in a clubhouse room. And I happened to be in Scottsdale at a Steve Sims event. And I didn't know who the speakers were going to be at that event. And I'm in my hotel room listening to clubhouse and Sharon's on there. And uh, I go to, to lunch at the event and in this kitchen and I see this lady and I'm like, shit, that's Sharon Lecter. And I'm like, Sharon, I just listened to you and talked to you on clubhouse today. What the heck are you doing here? So it's just crazy. And I got to meet her. And But the funny thing, Mike, is that you said you wish you would have had that book at that age. I did get that book. This is actually disgusts me. But I had that book at some point when I'm in my 20s, like early 20s. And I don't even know if I finished it. I remember reading it. I remember having it. But what, like, I guess it's also what frame of mind you're in at that time as well. Because if you could have the book and read it, and it might not hit you. You're, you're like, yeah, well, that's not for me or something. So Absolutely. Um, you know, I think it took me till I got to my it's like embarrassing to say this, man, but I'm a transparent guy. I tell people about the journey that I'm on and everything, but early 40s to really get a mission. Like, what the hell have I been doing? And then I kicked myself in the ass because I'm like, all this time I wasted, man. So this created urgency in me because I know my window's shorter than if I was in my 30s or 20s. And so some people say to me, like, dude, you move too fast. You're doing all these things. Why are you doing this? Like, you're urgent. Like, like dude, you don't understand, right? I have a shorter window now. I didn't do this when I, when I was supposed to. I messed up. So uh, yeah, man, I, I just love that. So I was going to ask you a question about the uh, 
psychology that goes into this. So what are the ups and downs that you have when you're dealing with multifamily? Well, surprisingly, I mean, relative to other crap I've done, relatively uh, not nearly as many downs as almost any other business you can get into. It's, it's surprising, shocking, actually, at how stable the asset class is. And you know, yes, the market's been going up for the last, gosh, nine years, right? So we all look like geniuses, and that certainly, certainly has helped. But I mean, I've just found the asset class to be very resilient in downturns. You can turn it over to professional managers. And if they don't work out, there's like three others behind them you can line up. And you know, they're better at it than you can ever be. Now, there's always twists and turns with every deal, which is kind of what, you know, what lights me up about it. You know, there's always there's always something, you know, the loan's going bad or you're, you can't raise all the money or there was a fire at the property or something. You know, there's something like that. But compared to the restaurants or stuff that people went through in tech and software, you know, worked their ass off for three years and then it just went, you know, bankrupt. Like uh, compared to that kind of stuff, it is, it was, it's relatively uneventful. The thing yeah. that's, that's eventful is, is the ability to scale a business. I mean, I say that, you know, operations bores me, but not when it's high growth, when you're hiring people and you're putting systems in place and you're creating new programs that allows you to raise more money or to educate more people or whatever the case may be, that still kind of lights me up. But yeah, you got you got down days all the time, man. That's that's well, that's the thing, and that's where your mission again comes 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 in, and it kind of gets you through that. Well, when you said the loan goes bad, you're talking about like if you had a, an arm or what have you, and and the loan, you know, yeah, or for or example, and- you know, like after COVID, you know, the lenders were kind of wacky, and for a period of time, you know, they would give you a term sheet, and then it would change, like you know, a, you know, five days before closing. Oh, did I say you can you're going to get ten million dollars in proceeds? You know, I really meant seven. Yeah, yeah. Have a yeah. nice day. And we're like, what the heck? You can't do that. Now I got to raise $3 million in my, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and so dealing with some of that kind of stuff keeps it interesting. Yeah. And then what do you do when you come into a situation where you have a loan that's coming due? Let's say you had a 10 year IO and the loan was fixed for 10 years. For those that don't know, that's an interest only loan. You pay an interest only every month. I don't know if you do that or not, or if you don't, but, and then it comes due and the rates get ready to, and you can't refinance it for whatever reason. Has there ever been a situation like that, or, or can you? So, first of all, you shouldn't let it get to that point. But it has not gotten to that point per se. The risk always is when you have a loan or anything that's coming due, is that you have to have the right environment to get another loan. Like, for example, in two thousand eight, as you well know, you know, if loans came due or you were trying to buy something, well, no one was lending at the time, right? So it's a really bad time to to have to you know to have to finance out of something now. We have loans that allow us to refinance, let's say, after 18 months, for example, but we have a five-year term, right? So let's say we do a heavy value add, and so we have a five-year loan, but I can get out of it anytime after 18 months, which is cool. Mm-hmm. So therefore, my plan is to get out at 24 months, right? But what if there's a recession or a market erosion? Well, then I don't get out, okay? Then I hold on for another one a year or, or two years. Gotcha. So you so never you- really want to get yourself into that, in that position. You always want a longer runway than you need. Yeah, yeah. You give yourself not just contingency and reserves, but also time. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. It makes sense. And these are some questions I was thinking of laying in bed when I was thinking about multifamily when I was listening to some podcasts and different things. And then as far as tech goes, because you are a computer guy and software guy and, and all that, and that's what we're into now. I'm not a techie, but I'm just a, you know, I'm a good relationship guy. I bring deals in. Our deal flow is unbelievable with the 10X incubator. And by the way, you said something about how you could be working on something for three years and then it goes, that's why I'm not relying on one product. <laughs> so, like, I think in my mind, if I can start one, why can't I start a hundred? And you know, so that's just the way I think. 
Um, I hope that doesn't do me wrong because I feel like if I fail, I'm going to fail big. <laughs> so what tech are you using now? And what tech needs do you have currently? Can you like, do you have any tech needs? And I'm not asking for myself. I'm just thinking for you because you're in tech or you've been in tech. Well, having a tech background has served me and it kind of a little bit of our competitive advantage over other people in our space or others in general. I mean, most people who are marketers, let's say, or the real estate investors, none of those people know anything about tech. Now, the only time they always have to hire people and you know, hiring tech people is very frustrating. They always take longer somehow and they always cost more money than they tell you, really. I mean, unbelievable. I've managed tech people before. And so for me, I have the ability to learn new tech and figure out how I can apply it. So we use technology a lot. And I'm, I love learning and tinkering with technology. So I'll hear something you know, on a podcast or I read it in a book and I was like, huh, interesting. Let me check that out. You know, so we have a lot of technology that we use. It's, and it's not spaghetti. It's sometimes we test different things. But we use technology where, where it makes sense. We try to automate as much as we can in our, our marketing, for example, uh, and how we raise money, for example, all those things. As much as we can, we try to apply technology where it makes sense. And so do you have a product where you just can put a deal in and it sucks all the numbers up and it tells you what the deal is, underwrites the deal for you? Well, not quite, but close. And uh, ours is called a syndicated deal analyzer. It's actually a spreadsheet. So the software is based on a spreadsheet. It's very sophisticated but surprisingly easy to use. So within about 10 minutes, you can basically answer the question, what's the most I can pay for this? Why? And how much are my investors going to make? So it's not quite autopilot, but it's darn close. And then you give that to the bank and then the bank can use it too. It helps them decide. Because in, in that situation, the bank's not underwriting the borrower like we do in residential mortgage. That's right. It's yeah. the property more, right? Oh, it's definitely part of the package, right? You, it's part of any package. You, investors want to see your projections and your assumptions and that kind of stuff. The bank's still going to underwrite the deal themselves. They have their own analysis tools. You know, they take your inputs and kind of say, you know, they do their own analysis. But it's, it makes you look good. You yeah. got a ten-year projection and yeah. all that stuff. Absolutely. And who is your mentor in this game or mentors? Yeah. So or, or that's probably one to? thing I didn't do very well is I did not have mentors growing up. It was like, you know, I consider myself a pretty smart guy. See, rock, I can figure this stuff out. I think the only mentor I had in the heyday was a house flipping mentor. Actually, it was a, it was a wholesaler specifically. I'm like wholesaling is for the birds. I'm gonna flip. So I'm gonna I used what he taught me about marketing and acquiring properties, and then I latched on the uh, you know the construction part of it and kind of learned that on my, on my own. But everything else I kind of did on my own, and it was awful. I mean, yeah. you know, restaurants. <laughs> if you're gonna deploy two million dollars in anything, man, you can probably afford a mentor or two, right? Don't you think? <laughs> no, not me. I knew everything. I, I'm a genius. I don't need help, you know. And so I was very poor in bringing on mentors. I would say that's probably my number one mistake. If you can afford a mentor, you got it. It's like you talk. You're investing in yourself. The best investment you can make is in yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you can afford a mentor who has been there, done that, who sees all the blind spots, gets you over, you know, any kind of mindset issues. Oh my gosh, priceless, right? Yeah. Priceless. Yeah. So as we wind down here, tell us about your book that you have sitting there. We got a book here. It's called it's, it's yellow <laughs> and, and it's a microphone. And <laughs> it's called Financial Freedom with Real Estate. It's almost got one thousand reviews on Amazon. Excited about that. And it's really for anyone who thinks they want to quit their job with real estate. And it doesn't have anything about apartment buildings on the cover because I already know it raises objections. And so I spend a good quarter of the book just talking about how you can raise capital and overcome your lack of experience. And then I do get into the entire life cycle of a deal. How do you find it? How do you analyze it? How do you raise the money? How do you close it? So that people can visualize the process. I found that people, when people see it, oh, that's how you do it. It's not like this black box mystery anymore. They start yeah. believing and thinking 
that it might be for them. So it's a great way to kind of stick your toe into syndication and see if that's something for you. Love it, man. Love it. Well, look, I want to thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me on your show as well. I think that just dropped this week, right? So yeah, uh, yeah I, I got that out. We're going to push that out and promote your show as well. But I want to thank you for being on here and looking forward to do more things with you possibly in the future. And although my tech product is not ready yet to be pushed out yet, but I do want to tell you about it for the future because I'd love to get your opinion on it. I'm going to shoot you a link. It's called Blueprinted with two O's, B-L-O-O printed.com. Instead of courses, which people get done or don't even complete, this gives you the exact steps to achieve anything. It's a marketplace. Like I don't want to give Amazon any credit because they didn't pay me, but anyway, it's like an Amazon for success blueprints. And it tells you these experts will come in and put the exact steps to achieve anything. All you do is follow it. And if you follow it, you should get similar results. And that's what we're creating. Um, I'm really excited about it. Like I said, it's my first tech product and failure is not an option for us. So uh, I'm going to get that over to you to check out, but I want to thank you for coming on the show today, Mike. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. C-Rock. Appreciate it. Where's the best social media platform for people to follow you on? The best place is probably The Michael Blanc. And that's also my handle on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. So The Michael Blanc, it's B-L-A-N-K. And you can find me on all those platforms and I can't wait to connect. All right, brother. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, watchers. Appreciate you being here and all your support. Until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's Mike. C-R-O-C.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.